the International Women's Day podcast series, brought to you by the Gender Equality Team in the Faculty of Medicine, Health and Life Sciences. So good morning everyone and welcome to this podcast which has been created as part of the School of Nursing and Midwifery Activities for an International Women's Day, which I'm sure you're all aware is on Monday the 8th of March. I'm Dr. Maria Healy, and I'm an Athena Swan co-champion for the School of Nursing and Midwifery at Queen's University Belfast, and I'm also a lecturer in Midwifery Education. For those of you who don't know, Swan is a gender equality initiative which all universities in the UK and Ireland sign up to. The school currently holds a Silver Athena Swan Award. This podcast is asking women about their experiences of work and family life during the COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm really glad to say that I'm joined here today by Professor Joanne Reid. She's Professor of Cancer and Palliative Care in the School of Nursing and Midwifery, Queen's University Belfast, and the Director of Research within the school. So Joanne, thanks so much for joining me today. Maria, I'm really delighted uh, to have the opportunity to join you, so thank you. So first of all, why don't you start by telling us a little about yourself and about what you do. Some background would be great. Okay. Well, as you've said, I work within the School of Nursing and Midwifery, and here I work as Professor of Cancer and Palliative Care, and I'm also the Director of Research within the School. Outside of the School, then, I also chair the Palliative Care Research Network at the All-Ireland Institute of Hospice and Palliative Care. The research that I do focuses predominantly on palliative care, both cancer and non-cancer. And uh, I have a programme of work um, within that and both within cachexia, both in renal and cancer. Uh, in terms of education, I'm also particularly interested in knowledge translation and doctoral education. And I currently sit as an elected board member with INDEN, which is the International Network of Doctoral Education and Nursing and I have set up and lead the Global Classroom Series for Indon. Um, outside of work then, I suppose my most important job is as a mum. I have a seven-year-old daughter, Emily, and a 10-year-old son, Benjamin. We live just off the shores of Loch Ney. Technically, uh, we live in Tongannan, but we're quite a bit outside of that. And I live there with my children and my husband. And we have a very newly adopted kitten, thanks to the COVID-19 pandemic. <laughs> That's fabulous. Amazing, amazing uh, background. Thanks so much for sharing that, Joanne, and your, your two little ones and, and of course your little cat. <laughs> um, fantastic. And I'm sure it's great to be living probably in the country as well, not, not too far from Lockney. Yeah, it's great actually. We have great access um, to wide open spaces. We've great access to a forest that's behind us that there's generally very few people in. So there's lots of benefits of living in the country, absolutely. So how has the pandemic impacted on your work and life, family life? Um, I think like a lot of people, it has brought challenges and opportunities. I, like many other parents, I'm currently homeschooling my two primary school children. And there are challenges in trying to manage that and in juggling a full time job. My husband also works full time. So the two of us are working full time with two children. And as well as that, then I'm also an only daughter. So my mum is over 80 and she lives about 
uh, 30 minutes away from where we live. And she has some comorbidities, as you'd expect. So she has moved in with us during the lockdown. She was shielding initially at the start and it became a very lonely existence for her living on her own during the lockdown. So we moved her in with us at the start of the lockdown. So there are five of us in the house. So we've had to work very hard as a family unit. My husband, myself, my two children are all working from home. So it's become a very busy household during the day, which it never used to be. And it does involve um, a different working schedule, a different working time, longer working days, as we've managed to fit in juggling work and homeschooling. But I think that there are plus sides to all of this. For example, I usually leave home just after six so that I miss the traffic in the M1 and would be in work for seven. So I never get to have breakfast with my children during the week and I do now and my children love it and I love it. Um, they also have got to spend so much time with their grandmother and that has been a really, really positive experience for them. As I mentioned, we also then have this newly adopted kitten called Jack and in many ways I think my children really needed him as much as he probably needed us. I had started to notice a change in my children. I can remember one day being out in the car and Benjamin, who's my 10 year old, had said to me, um, is it OK if we put the windows down? And it was as though he was nearly fearful of breathing outside of our very socially isolated home in the middle of the lockdown. And it was very shortly after that we found this little kitten in the backyard. He was very, very small and um, the children had to feed him with a syringe um, with milk for the first few times. And it was nearly like having a new baby. I had to go to the vet and get special formula milk, which needed to be made up every 24 hours. But actually, they really enjoyed having something positive, having something to look after, having something to nurture. Um, and it has really gave them I suppose uh, something additional, something positive to focus on. And he's now a very bona fide member of the family. He makes regular appearances in the children's schools, teams meetings and things like that. So I think that it's been a difficult time, but there have been positives within those difficulties. Well, that's, that's fantastic, Joanne. Um, it's so good to hear, you know, about your children, you know, bonding and having that special time with your mother mm -hmm. um, and and also you know you know with with caring and nurturing Jack the kitten uh, it's so special special time yeah I totally agree with there has been positives as well as difficulties within this time um, of pandemic yeah mm -hmm. so just in time terms of the the theme for International Women's Day this year is 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 uh, named as choose to challenge what does this mean to you Joanne Choose to challenge. Well, I suppose in many ways I've always enjoyed a challenge. Um, I think there are several different ways to challenge something or to challenge someone. And I suppose how I like to go about it is I like to supportively challenge, to nurture and to bolster and, and to improve. I think a challenged world is a better world. It, it's a world that doesn't rest on its laurels. It seeks to always be inclusive, to always be engaging. And I think that that's, that's really important. I think one of the areas that you could probably best see my response to um, challenging is probably in my area of research. I do work in quite sensitive areas in palliative care and end of life care, but these are really important areas and they're really important for me because clinically this is where I worked. 
And in many ways, I feel very privileged to work with patients, to work with family carers, with healthcare professionals, to conduct research into areas such as cachexia and place of death. Palliative care um, research traditionally receives much less funding than other areas of research. A recent editorial um, that was published highlighted that less than about 0.3% of the 500 million spent on cancer research is allocated to palliative care and funding for non-cancer conditions is probably likely to be even less than this. So for me, there is a challenge here. There's an inequity in that we live in a world where as the number of older people increases, as more people approach end of life with very complex comorbidities in comparison to previously, there is a need for robust research in palliative and end of life care, and that has never been greater. So I feel really content and happy to supportively challenge within that environment and to jump in the need for research in that area. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's so, so important, Joanne, I totally agree. Um, could you tell us a little bit more what your understanding of cachexia is, just for the those who are listening. Yeah, so cachexia is a particular type of a wasting syndrome. It's seen in cancer and various other chronic illnesses, renal disease and heart disease. And uh, it's a very particular type of weight loss where it can't be reversed by nutritional support alone. There's a metabolic element that comes in um, to that and uh, it basically pushes the body into a state of catabolism. So no matter what you eat, uh, it's never going to be enough to enable you to regain weight. There's a lot of work that has been happening in cachexia over this past number of years. Um, and it's really to try and understand the metabolic pathways and then to think through um, modalities to treat that. So a lot of the work that I have done has been trying to understand uh, the patient and the family caregiver experience in relation to that, uh, because while we can't cure cachexia and there's no uh, recognised and agreed treatment for it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. And we need to be able to offer psychosocial and educational support to patients and their family members. And a lot of my work in cancer has focused on that. And in renal disease, what we've really tried to do is establish a clinical phenotype for what cachexia is within renal disease. And uh, at the moment, what we're doing is working on a grant to try and put together a multimodal intervention to target renal cachexia. Well, thanks very much, Joanne, for explaining that. Um, it's such a, a sensitive um, subject, isn't it? And um, mm. important, important subject uh, to research. And, Thanks very much for explaining, you know, your your, your championing of um, of choosing to challenge, you know, within your research. And and I know for sure you've been very supportive to myself as well as a lecturer. So um, thank you. So just to, to finish off uh, our podcast, uh, could you tell me about what have you, what have you done during the pandemic to protect your own physical and mental health? Well, um, I think that we have been living through very tough times. There are several things that I that I no longer can do. And I think that the rhythm of my life has had to change, like everyone. I miss meeting people. I miss um, going out for coffee, going out for dinner with friends. My work-life balance has changed considerably. And um, I think I'm rather fatigued with Teams, Zoom and WebEx meetings. I would really long to, to meet people in the office again. Uh, I have tried to create a new routine and that has variable success depending on pressures of homeschooling and caring responsibilities and work. 
Uh, I think as I've said before, we are very fortunate in where we live that we have a lot of spaces, uh, wide open spaces. We, ha we have a local forest, we have an old abandoned airfield very close to us. So as a family, we have lots of space to roam and to go walking and, and all that. Um, I do find that I have a very poor attention span for things that don't interest me. So, you know, I don't particularly enjoy watching TV or films. Um, my phone bill has grown ex extensively from talking to everybody over the phone that you no longer can meet, but I think that that's probably a very positive growth. Um, but what I really like to do, I think, is I love to sit out in the garden. I love to listen to my children on the trampoline howling with laughter or seeing them with the latest escapade with the kitten. Um, and this time of year, I think in particular, it's lovely to sit out at the weekends. We can see and hear the whooper swans going overhead on the way to the lock. And it's <laughs> lovely um, just to be able to see that again. I'm really delighted that our days are getting brighter. They're getting longer and we can see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. However, I do think that uh, we do need to be minded that a clear view doesn't always mean a short distance. There will be challenging times ahead, I have no doubt, but I think that we're now in a much better place right here and right now to be able to deal with those. Well, thanks, Joanne. Um, yeah, um, your, and, your, and your honesty is uh, fantastic in terms of, you know, your time span not being uh, as great in terms of uh, some aspects that you're perhaps not interested in, such as TV and that sort of thing. But it's so good to hear about your, you know, getting out out to the space and, and enjoying you know spring and uh, and time in the garden um, mm -hmm. and, and yeah our, our all our lives really our work-life balances has changed so much and uh, we do look forward really to um having you know face to face with our with our colleagues and our friends and um as you said it's um we're, we're getting there i think as well and it's uh, just just take a small steps at this stage isn't it i think if there is like at the end of the tunnel, I totally agree. So that's that's all our questions I have for you this today um, and this morning. And I really want to thank you so much for your time, Joanne, and taking time out of your busy day uh, to talk to me. So thank you so much. No, Marie, it's my pleasure. I'm I'm really delighted to have the opportunity to be able to talk with you. Thank you. For more in this series, subscribe to Queen's University Belfast's Shaping a Better World podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts.